of Columbia. From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition. That what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you. That was uh, President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, this week, responding to questions from Senator Rand Paul over his claim that the NIH has has not and does not fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, Are the self-proclaimed champions of science and truth really holding to either? We'll talk about this with uh, Texas Congressman Chip Roy. And the Biden administration's Department of Education, in a surprising move, has decided to withdraw its grant program for the 1619 Project. What could this mean going forward? We'll talk about this with Matt Spaulding, former member of President Trump's 1776 Commission and the dean of the Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale College. And speaking of uh, education, the Russell County School Board in Virginia recently rejected by unanimous vote Virginia State Department of Education's new policy allowing students access to restrooms and locker rooms that correspond to the students' self-reported gender identity. Bob Gibson, a member of the school board, is here with more on that. And with the new school year just a month away, there is discussion about the possible return of mask mandates in schools. What can we expect with the mask and uh, what might those masks be masking? There's a lot more going on in public education these days. We're going to talk about that with Meg Kilgannon, FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies, coming up later on the program. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And let me encourage you once again to uh, download the Stand Firm app. That way you will not only be in touch with Washington Watch each and every day, but you will get action alerts when you need to be notified Notified when you need to take action, whether it's at a federal level or the state level. Again, that's the Stand Firm app. Also, also uh, this is something we've talked about. I'm going to talk more about it a little bit later. But The uh, FRC Action School Board Boot Camp that we held a couple of weeks ago is now up online, and you can find more about that at TonyPerkins.com. Okay, Uh, there's almost never a dull day in Washington, and this week uh, was certainly no exception. On Wednesday night, uh, President Biden held a televised town hall hosted by CNN's Don Lemon. This happened to be in Cincinnati, Ohio. Lots was discussed, everything from COVID vaccines to our economy and uh, jobs. Lots of claims made by the president. Associated Press even did a little fact check of the town hall. In it, they wrote, quote, President Joe Biden offered an absolute guarantee Wednesday that people who get their COVID-19 vaccines are completely protected from infections, sickness and death from the coronavirus. The reality is that uh, the reality is not that cut and dry, end quote. Well, reality is never that cut and dry. Join me now to talk about this and more. Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Always great to join you, Tony. Hope you're doing well. I'm I'm doing quite well. Uh, Let me first just start with the town hall meeting. Uh, What were your thoughts on the town hall meeting? Well, there's so many uh, directions to go and uh, what... uh, the president is saying that town hall. I mean, I think most notable for me is the extent to which he's so dismissive uh, in his his exchanges with small business owners, restaurant owners who are struggling to survive, struggling struggling to stay alive when you've got uh, so many uh, of their employees or former employees who are being paid more not to work than to work, getting absolutely crushed. And the president comes in and says, "Oh, yeah, don't worry. Uh, you just need to pay people more," as if he has to. Go figure out how to meet a, uh, you know, a income statement and, and balance his, his uh, inflows and outflows in a business. He doesn't have to, and so he's so dismissive of the small business owners who are getting crushed. Hundred thousand small businesses got crippled last year during the COVID shutdown, while Amazon made a hundred billion extra dollars in revenue. So that really jumped out at me about how disconnected the president is from real life for Americans. 
Well, also on the issue uh, you touch on and inflation, people are concerned about the issue of inflation because prices are going up on almost uh, everything. The president addresses, I think we have a clip. Do we have a clip of, uh, of the president speaking to this issue of inflation? Uh, no, I don't think we, we've got that clip. Uh, but basically dismissive of the reality that prices are going up. People are paying more. And he says, oh, it, it, it's, it's temporary. Uh, everybody says it's going to go away. I, I don't see how, especially when you talk about flooding uh, the economy with another, uh, you know, $4 trillion or more. And what he's talking about is the infrastructure bill and uh, in, in Bernie's bailout. Well, yeah, right on top of $6 trillion that has been appropriated in the last year. Uh, and keep in mind, Tony, we spent $4 trillion to win World War II from beginning to end, right? From Pearl Harbor all the way through Nagasaki, we spent about $4 trillion. We spent $6 trillion in the last year, or at least appropriated it, and we're still spending it. And now you've got this infrastructure effort, and uh, all of that is causing uh, uncertainty out there. It's causing people to hold on investments. They don't know exactly where to put capital. It's slowing it down. The economy is heating back up, of course, because people got back into the, into the economy when we'd shut it down. But heating back up from having hammered and slammed the brakes, that's just a move in the right direction. But we have a long ways to go to get to the churning economy we had 18 months ago, where we're creating wealth and opportunity and jobs for people of all uh, backgrounds from all over the country. And the president seems to be completely oblivious to how much it's driving up the cost of goods and services. And again, going back to, oh, just pay your employees more. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I'd love to, if I have a business, I'd like to pay my employees as much as I possibly could, but you've got to make the business work. And so um, he has no, he's just completely disconnected from the reality of what's impacting, you know, hardworking Americans every day. Congressman uh, Roy, let's go back to uh, Dr. Fauci. And the, yep. uh, the fact he was on Capitol Hill this week and uh, Senator Rand Paul trying to drill down on this issue of gain of function, the fact that the NIH funded uh, gain of function research in the Wuhan lab there in China, which means you, you take and you, you basically take a virus, make it such that it'll move from animals to people. And that's what he was trying to get at. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said that was not happening. They did not do gain of fun, function research or fund it rather. Uh, it sounds like a, a play on uh, they're just, you know, dancing around the words. But uh, now we have uh, Senator Paul is making a ref criminal referral, actually referring this to the Department of Justice, saying that he uh, he lied before the committee. Well, look, I think the arrogance of Dr. Fauci is starting to catch up to him. Uh, and I think we've seen it from the get-go. He was, you know, propping his feet up, uh, you know, on the covers of magazines. He was hobnobbing around D.C. He was, you know, enjoying celebrity status. And now he's starting to realize that, hold on a second, you know, a lot of these bad things that occurred, that occurred in the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, happened on, you know, his watch and with his knowledge. He had emails that we are now seeing where he had some pretty good knowledge that, hey, hold on a second, this thing may well have been, you know, engineered or created in a lab. And uh, he had knowledge of that, which may well have helped impact how we dealt with the response to it over the last 15 to 16 months. And Dr. Uh, Rand Paul, Senator Paul, is exactly correct uh, to be pushing on Dr. Fauci on this whole issue of gain-of-function research and whether NIH founded it or funded it, sorry. And uh, look, I mean, you've got a, a Washington Post uh, reporter, Josh Rogan, who basically said yesterday, and we'll look down here real quick and quote, hey, guys, Rand Paul was right and Fauci was wrong. NIH was funded gain of research in Wuhan, but NIH pretended it didn't uh, meet their gain of function definition to avoid their own oversight mechanism. And you know that's, I think, the dance that you just referred to, Tony. And the fact is the American people are pretty smart and they're seeing what's going on so long as they see the actual facts, right? Obviously, it gets obfuscated by the media who doesn't want to highlight it. Uh, Senator Paul is right to raise this issue. And let me raise one other issue on uh, Dr. Fauci. You know, I wrote a piece uh, yesterday, I think it appeared in The Blaze, maybe the day before, in which I point out the uh, utter lunacy of the statement that Dr. Fauci made, saying that, quote, misinformation of today would cause us to have not been able to eradicate polio uh, through the vaccine that was administered in the 1950s. Now, you know, Tony, my father, I was diagnosed with polio in Texas in 1949. 
he has dealt with the ravages of that disease his whole life. He's 78 today, and you know we're blessed, and he's been very—he's uh, able to get around. But he's dealt with the you know impact of that disease on his legs and his body. So I know it; it's real to us. And the fact is, the polio vaccine that was administered in 1955, uh, in within about a year, over a year, there were about 30 million Americans, which was about half of the under 40 population, the target younger population, that, that had gotten the vaccine, and only about 18% of the total population in that year and a half. In this seven months of 2021, we have now 80% of people over 65 90% have one shot, 80% have two shots. That's the target population. And 57% of all Americans have received a vaccine within seven months. In other words, this is one of the fastest, if not the fastest rollouts of vaccines in history. And keep in mind that it was the Trump administration that got the vaccines out, got them to market, while Kamala Harris was saying you shouldn't do it because Donald Trump was doing it. And now today, some of us are saying, look, we love the vaccines. I'm glad my dad, who's 78, got the vaccine. But also Americans who want to pump the brakes a little bit and say, wait a minute, don't jam the vaccine into my 10-year-old. Don't go tell me that the government has the right to know whether I've had the vaccine or not had the vaccine. Just put information out there and let the American people decide. But when you have Dr. Fauci lying to everyone, like he did on this case, uh, then it makes people be suspicious. And I think that's the problem. Well, let me go back. Speaking of vaccines, let me go back to the president's town hall meeting uh, on Wednesday night, where he uh, he said this about uh, kids going back to school and uh, parents. Clip number two, please. So it's going to get a little bit tight in terms of, well, our mom or dad being honest that, you know, Johnny did or did not get vaccinated. That's going to raise questions. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see this work out in ways that people are going to know in the community. Everybody knows in the community whether or not Johnny really did get the vaccination when he's 15 or 17 years old. And so it's going to I think it's it's a matter of community responsibility. And I think you're going to see it work through. So how is everybody in the community going to know who's been vaccinated or not? Is he is he uh, giving us a clue that something's coming? Well, this is one of those things, you know, some of my colleagues and I were asking the question when President Biden said they were going to go door to door. I said, well, whose door are you going to be knocking on and how do you know which doors you're going to knock on? Remember also that it was just a few days ago, maybe last week, that President Biden said something in the zip code, I'm paraphrasing, of if you're vaccinated, you're safe. If you're unvaccinated, you're not. Now, look, let me be clear. I'm pro-vaccine. I'm glad my kids took the polio vaccine, and I was able to, and so forth. Uh, and look, hundreds of millions of people around the world, uh, tens of millions of Americans have availed themselves of this vaccine, and, and that's important and, and to protect the vulnerable population. But the idea that the government knows best and should come around and pressure people, and what, what, what President Biden is saying right there is, well, look, I'm not going to mandate for now a vaccine passport necessarily, but I'm encouraging all of society to go around and kind of shame you and ask and nose around and whisper about whether you've taken a vaccine or not. That's not who we are as Americans. Let Americans right. decide based on the information in front of them. Uh, and I'm with you on that. I'm not anti-vaccine. I think every American should have the right to make their decision. And I exactly. think parents should be, be able to make the decision for their children, not the government. Congressman Chip Roy, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. You too, Tony. God bless you. All right, uh, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Matt Spaulding. Uh, Hillsdale College putting out uh, 1776 curriculum, trying to combat the 1619 project. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply Scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that Scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for His kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to Him. 
God's word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in his image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you uh, with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, if you've listened to Washington Watch recently, we've uh, highlighted the reasons the New York Times 1619 Project presents a problematic and incorrect view of our nation's history. Of course, the, the left is all for it. They're pushing it big time in our schools. It's all part of the critical race theory and all this other stuff. And um, the Department of Education was going to entice schools to teach this by giving them grants. Well, they got an earful from the public, and so they backed off of that. So they're, But don't think they're going away. They'll be back. That's the way they operate. They're, they're relentless in pushing their leftist agenda. But you'll recall also that there was the 1776 commission that President Trump, former President Trump, put in place, and then, of course, uh, President Biden pulled the plug as soon as in fact, it was the first thing I think he did when he came into office. But they continued to do their work. And now they have curriculum that has been established that Hillsdale College, which has become kind of the, uh, the, 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 the home base for this operation, is now providing this to schools across the country. Joining me now to talk more about this is Dr. Matt Spaulding. He's the Vice President of Washington Operations and the Dean of the Van Andel Graduate School of Government at Hillsdale and was a part of the 1776 Commission. Dr. Spaulding, welcome back to Washington Watch. And it's good to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Let me first start by your reaction to the news that the Department of Education was withdrawing its grant program from the 1619 Project. <laughs> well, I, I kind of had your, your reaction, to be honest. Um, part of my concern is, is this, and we should be ever watchful and mindful and careful. Uh, the, the, the left is always very good at changing language. Uh, they have said they're now, they've backed off uh, the priorities for funding, and they've dropped the mention of the 1619 Project and Imberl Kindy, the, one of the great advocates of it, um, but a lot of their other language still stays in place. So I think it signals something, but not necessarily a victory. 
they're going to continue going their merry way, I believe. But what it signals, which is good news, is that uh, 1619 critical race theory, these various terminologies that have gotten people effectively interested in this and gotten some people at school boards actively involved, uh, has is having some effect. And they, they are actually backing away from that, and they're on the defense. Uh, that's good, I think, but we got to keep the work up. Yeah, exactly. And therein lies an opportunity, though, as well, because That's this right. has been an educational moment for the public. So what, uh, you know, what was meant for evil could be turned to good. And this is where you come in and uh, your work in the 1776 Commission and what Hillsdale is doing. There's now 1776 curriculum that's being offered to schools across America so we can actually teach the right or I should say not right, the correct view of history. No, that's right. So uh, I was executive director of the 1776 Commission. We put out the 1776 report, which I encourage everyone to read rather than follow it on the media. Read it for yourself. Uh, Among other things, what it really called for, what it focused on, was encouraging a true and accurate history of America's founding, the Declaration, the Constitution, Uh, because the federal government has no role in curriculum matters. Uh, well, once the Biden administration, among its first actions, first executive orders, abolished the commission and fired me, uh, I came back to Hillsdale, and, and uh, my colleagues and I, and, and you know, as you know, we've been involved in K-12 education for decades, and we have charter schools. Uh, we redouble our efforts to, to write up a curriculum, uh, which we've now issued as a 1776 curriculum. It's about, uh, covers all of civics for K-12 and uh, history having to do with the founding of the Civil War. Uh, And we've made it available to anybody for free, uh, to students, to homeschoolers, to to parents, to to teachers, to school districts, to states. Whoever will learn, it's it's theirs to have uh, free of charge. Uh, And that's really, that's Hillsdale's contribution to this debate. We think that uh, it's one thing we're we're all united against uh, about what we're against, and we're we're right, we're right. deeply opposed to teaching our children that they ought to look at each other each other based on their race, and we should look at each other as you know children of God equal in the eyes of God. Um, uh, we we are opposed to that, but what are we for? And we wanted to give uh, people in the front lines fighting at school board meetings and other places. Uh, a curriculum to point to, and that's what this is. It's just a straightforward, non-controversial, honest and accurate history that, oh, just a few years ago would have been completely uncontroversial. Uh, But where we are today, we really need to do this, and we put it all together. It's thousands of pages long, lessons, uh, guides, um, reading material, everything one would need to do a full curriculum on your own, to do a full teaching of the civics. I think this is great because, as you said, you know, we can curse the darkness or we can turn on the light. And I think this is what's necessary. The reason the 1619 Project, I think, got traction is because we haven't been teaching American history. And so there was this void and they rushed in. And so this is an opportunity to, no, push back. Here is an accurate read of American history. No, that's right. And, and, And they enter that void and I think there was a natural reaction by a lot of people, left, right, and center. This doesn't make sense. America is not this evil, racist country. It's not rotten to the core. It's not perfect. It's trying to live up to its principles. Uh, but this isn't the way to do it. Uh, we wanted to, to, to fill that void. There, there are good teachers out there. There are good schools out there. And we want to help and support them. But we especially want to help uh, those parents and teachers and school districts where uh, they need an alternative uh, that they can honestly put forward uh, rather than this nonsense that's being pushed upon them. Uh, Dr. Spalding, very quickly, where can folks find out more about this curriculum? Uh, well, you can go to hillsdale.edu. There's a link on the main page for the curriculum. Uh, there are also free online courses and other resources teachers could use. Uh, we also have a uh, k12.hillsdale.edu, which is all about Uh, K through 12 and curriculum and other things having to do with uh, teaching. Oh, great. We'll uh, we'll put a link to that on our website as well to direct people there. Dr. Matt Spalling, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Tony. All right, uh, folks, make use of this. You know, it's great, as he said, homeschoolers, private schools. uh, I know a lot of the people involved in uh, putting this together. 
I trust them. This is, uh, this is noteworthy stuff. It's good, so I encourage you to use it. All right, we're going to stick with the uh, topic of education. Coming back, we've got some school boards backed up by parents that are pushing back against these uh, state policies of, uh, you know, these woke policies. And uh, one of them's in Virginia. We're going to be talking with a school board member from Russell County, Virginia. That's next. Don't go away. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org slash blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. All right, we've uh, examined on Washington Watch what happens when woke ideology makes its way into our communities and into our children's schools. And look, they're, they're hitting the accelerator under this administration, pushing this, as we were just talking about with Dr. Spaulding. Now, if you've listened to Washington Watch for any length of time, you'll recall how the Fairfax and Loudoun County school boards, both in Virginia, have wholeheartedly embraced everything from critical race theory to punishing teachers for speaking out in their personal capacities on issues they care deeply about. But the opposition to this wokeness is building. Parents are speaking out. I got a clip of a Russell County parent addressing the school board last Thursday. Uh, Play clip number three, please. This policy requires schools to deceive parents, stating that students need to be respected if they don't want their parents to know that they're transgender. The school is to respect their choice by embracing their new identity and never mention it to the parents. This is encouraging kids to be deceitful and hide things from their parents. Anyone encouraging a child to hide something from their parents or to be less than truthful with their parents is no one that should be around children. Well, there are school boards across the country that are responding to parents. In fact, uh, some of these uh, school boards are actually working in concert with the parents to push back on this woke agenda that's coming down from both the state and the federal level. And joining me now is uh, one of those school board members from Russell County School, uh, the school board system in uh, Russell County, Virginia, Bob Gibson. Uh, Bob, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. Nice to be here. So um, the public speaking out against this agenda, the school board there in Russell County last week was unanimous in standing with the parents saying, uh-uh, we're not going to be pushing this radical woke agenda in our schools. 
Yes, sir. It was a unanimous 7-0 vote. What do you and your colleagues uh, feel, why do you feel it was important to take this stand against the state, uh, you know, the, the stuff that they're pushing down from the state level? And what do you, what's going to be the response from the state, do you think? Well, I can only speak for, by my, for myself, but I was elected by the citizens of Russell County. Not, I don't represent the overreaching government in Richmond. And, you know, I intend to do the will of the people in Russell County to do all I can to protect the safety and well-being of the students in our care. I feel that's the school board's uh, primary duty uh, is to give the kids a safe and secure place to learn. And as far as any pushback, I guess, you know, I think everything is so new. I know there was a hearing in Lynchburg yesterday, and the court hasn't given its decision on that. So I guess it's it's unknown, you know, what the pushback will be. So what exactly was the state wanting the schools uh, there in Russell County to do? Well, the state, you know, they, the state ordered the the, the Virginia Department of Education, they came out with a 27-page uh, model policy for the treatment of transgender students. It is vast. It is uh, radical. Uh, but they, they gave us leeway. Uh, to me, if they wanted to impose just a law, just to pass it, but they wanted each school board to pass their own. So, you know, after looking at this policy, we felt that we already had policies in place that cover and protect all the students, teachers, parents, and staff with policies. We already have anti-bullying policies, policies against discrimination and harassment. And we just felt like there was legitimate constitutional, constitutional concerns uh, that violate free speech, religious freedoms. Uh, it limited the parental involvement in in a kid's education. So just really serious concerns we had. So, so Bob, do you, is there a sense that um, maybe the federal government, the state government, that they're looking at these school boards as just kind of rubber stamps for their policies and that they expect you just to kind of carry out what they want? That's what I feel. Yes, sir. But the, at our but, meeting, there were 500 people at this meeting. The overwhelming part were, they had a, you know, the outcry against this policy was overwhelming. Uh, and, you know, we just felt that, you know, or I felt I need to do the will of the people. Plus, I'm a parent. I've got three children in the Russell County school system. So uh, it it concerns me personally, you know, very much as well. But I, to isn't answer that, your question, isn't that the way it's supposed to work? I mean, isn't that the way it's supposed to work? You got a, you're a parent. You've got kids at the schools. You're in the community. You know what the community wants, and you were elected to represent them. It, exactly, sir. And, I, and that's what I intend to do. And that's I, I felt we did that last week. Uh, since we have, I know a couple of other counties have have done similar things with us. So, you know, hopefully Richmond, you know, will get the word that uh, Richmond values are not Southwest Virginia values. Right. Uh, Bob Gibson, uh, we commend you and the board for taking a stand on behalf of the parents and the students there in Russell County, Virginia. And I thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, You know, we didn't ask for this fight, but we felt it. I I felt it's important that, that we stand up. I absolutely agree with you. Thanks so much. All right. All right, folks. Um, We're going to continue our discussion of what's happening in education across the country. Meg Kilgannon joins me next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after the break. religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. 
At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we were just uh, talking with uh, Bob Gibson of uh, Russell County, uh, Virginia, member of the school board there. So it's not just the federal government, uh, the Federal Department of Education that uh, is, you know, pushing this agenda. It's coming from states. I'm telling you, the educational lobby is left, and it's intense. I faced it when I was in office. They are pushing an agenda that is contrary to what most Americans have. But I mean, you see this like uh, in Russell County, where a school board stepping up and standing up, representing the people. And, and by the way, now some of them would probably do it anyway. I think Mr. Gibson probably would anyway. But some of these school boards will take that stand if the parents are standing. So parents, it's important that you show up to these school board meetings and let your voice be heard. And if the school board, like we saw in Loudoun County, refuses to respond to the parents and replace them. Um, also, I would say this is a footnote. It's better not to have your kids in the public school anyway, but that's a conversation for another day. Joining me now to uh, discuss this uh, and more is Meg Kilgannon, FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies. Meg, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. We've had quite a week in education this week. Well, I think every week is education. We're ramping back up for the fall for classrooms to be open. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But first, before I move on, um, you you heard me talking with uh, Bob Gibson of uh, Russell County there, the school board. That school board last week standing up to the Department of Education there in Richmond is this beginning to spread? Are other school boards uh, being encouraged to stand up? Other school boards are being encouraged to stand up. And um, Russell County is a wonderful example of what can happen 
when school boards refuse to go along. As Mr. Gibson so plainly explained, they already have policies in place that prevent bullying and prevent harassment and offer recourse if you experience those behaviors, no matter how you identify as a student. And so to set a a special set of, of policies for a particular group of people really in in that case isn't necessary. And I'm sure that most school systems all across the country have the the same sorts of anti-bullying and anti-harassment policies. So Mr. Gibson did a great job of explaining why they don't need to follow the model policy from Richmond. They don't care to do so, and they're not going to do so. So good for him. Now, as I mentioned, uh, obviously, Russell County was responsive to the parents and, uh, you know, they took a stand. Uh, Other counties, not so much so. Uh, We've been talking about Loudoun County, where they just basically the arrogance that was displayed there was uh, mind boggling for me just to see how they even shut down the parents and pulled the plug on public comment there at their school board meeting. So there are resources that FRC Action has for parents who, you know, feel inclined at this moment in time to step into the arena and make a difference in their local school system by running for the school board. Tell, tell our listeners what's available for them. We, we have a lot of wonderful resources on, on our website um, at frcaction.org slash schools. We have our school board boot camp up. We have the, the four-hour presentation broken down into segments for folks. So you can watch the segment on what's it like to be a school board, or you can watch the segment on what kind of issues do, do are facing school boards. You can learn how to run a campaign, or you can learn about starting a PAC, running a recall campaign, or just running a parents group where you can watch all of them. But they're there for you. In addition, there are other resources there, too. We're really excited to have those up and um, hope that people will take advantage of of the material there. And uh, let us know at schools uh, at frcaction.org. Um, email us there and let us know what you'd like to see next. We have some ideas about our future panels, but I want to do what what people need help with. So we're we're working on a FOIA panel right now to have explain to folks how to ask for records from government agencies and schools. Um, you know, we need to be looking at our board of supervisors, at our school boards, at all of our our departments of health, all of, of the government agencies involved in our lives. We need to exercise our due diligence because in America, our government is of, by, and for the people. And so we as citizens need to do our part to make sure our government is doing its part. Right. That's what I've uh, always said about being spectators. Our republic was not made for spectators. It was made for participants. And when we simply become spectators, they do what they want and we end up with what we have. And that's why people have got to be involved. So uh, you can go to frcaction.org, find out these resources, just go to TonyPerkins.com. We'll have a link there for you. All right. Wednesday night, uh, President Biden had a town hall meeting in Cincinnati, Ohio, with uh, CNN's Don Lemon. Of course, that was entertaining. Um, but the um, one of the things was talked about was vaccines for children, uh, talked about masks as we're returning back to school. So I want to play a couple of these clips um, that uh, came from the Wednesday night town hall meeting. First, uh, let's play clip number four as the president talks about masks in schools. Everyone over the age of under the age of 12 should probably be wearing a mask in school. That's probably what's going to happen. Secondly, those over the age of 12 who are able to get vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask. Uh, first off, the, the evidence suggests that children are not, at, unless they're in a high-risk category, the vaccine doesn't do them a whole lot of good, um, and they don't necessarily need to be vaccinated. But now we're talking about masks. There's there's been reports. In fact, there was a uh, Journal of American Med- Association of American Medicine uh, had a um, let's see if I can find it. Originally, a piece that was pulled for political purposes that talks about the harms of wearing masks by by children. It was uh, it was removed. The author of that article says that it was driven by politics. Right. 
Right. I mean, I think you can ask any mom or dad if it's a good idea for, uh, you know, a six or an eight-year-old to have a piece of cloth tied to their face all day long at school, going in and out of the bathrooms, in and out of every place. And, and you know, is that is that uh, sanitary or healthy? And most of them will say, no, it's probably not a good idea. Um, there, there haven't been good guidelines about using masks. How often should you clean them? Uh, should they be paper or reusable? All of those debates. I mean, that aside, um, there just there isn't science to support this. It seems like more of the um, of the push to um, vaccinate every single person in the United States. Um, and it, you can you can I can imagine if I were in school and some children had to wear a mask and some children didn't, I would want to be in the group that wasn't wearing a mask. And that that is concerning because um, I guess we're going to risk getting banned again from YouTube by bringing this up again. But I think it's important for parents to hear Um, the Biden administration through the Department of Education is suggesting that schools open on site vaccine clinics in schools. They've written to superintendents of schools and recommended that they open on-site vaccine sites in schools. So it's easy to imagine that a a student whose parents do not want them to be vaccinated would be in school, and because that child wasn't vaccinated, he'd be required to wear a mask. And that really is no fun a lot of the time. And so you can imagine a case where a child would just go and get vaccinated so they didn't have to wear the mask. Um, and would the parent be called? Would would consent be uh, sought? We have no way of knowing, um, but we can certainly see the potential dangers of this situation. And it is another example of the many ways that our system is set up to disregard parent rights and forward the agenda of the, the people in charge. And again, I, I'm not anti-vaccines. I'm not anti-COVID shot. I I just think you need to have all of the facts. And, you know, we hear this all the time from the left, follow the science. It's interesting. They they like to to cover up the science they don't like. (laughs) This was, as I made reference to this mask, there was a study, uh, a lead author of a now retracted research noted Note that claimed children's masks trap dangerously high concentrations of carbon dioxide. This was uh, according to the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics. They decided to pull the paper. The author of that, Harold Wallach, uh, said that it was politically motivated. It was first published in June, but then it was removed. He said he's never had anything like this before. So we're having a lot of these things that are being done by politics. Of course, you made reference to YouTube. YouTube took down one of our videos when we were, again, we weren't giving medical advice. We were no. just saying parents need to be involved in any medical decisions pertaining to their children. That's fundamental. Absolutely. Well, because the Biden administration is uh, in this cabal with uh, the social media and saying that, you know, they're flagging stuff for Facebook and other social media giants. Uh, we now have a, a tremendous attack on the First Amendment where we can't even have a conversation about what is appropriate for parents in terms of the relationship with their children. And Meg, I, I think what this is going to lead to is more parents pulling their kids out of public education because of these onerous politically decided, not science-based decisions that are, you know, masking their children, forcing their children by bullying and other means to uh, to, to take medical uh, steps that they would not normally take. Right. It's a, it's a form of othering, right? And, at the, and, and um, on the one side, they will say that that a gender-confused student may be othered by policies that don't allow gender-affirming care or the use of an opposite-sex bathroom. But on the other hand, they don't mind othering students who are unvaccinated and making them wear a mask and having students who are vaccinated be free to not wear a mask. It's all about what the end result is for for them. And, And does it fit with their political agenda? And and if the policy does, then we'll go with that policy. Um, It's the the legitimate debate about the science. We would have a much um, 
for lack of a better term, a much healthier discussion of this issue if we were allowed to, in fact, discuss it freely across right. all platforms. I think that yeah. would that would do a lot of, to 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 make everybody just sort of calm down and and, ha- and have a conversation, a reasoned conversation. But when only right. one side of the argument is allowed to be spoken, it, it makes people suspicious. And I think that the issue that uh, the administration is having, which has led them to enter into this uh, relationship with big tech to silence people who would question what they're doing, if... Um, if they allowed for that free exchange of ideas and questions to be raised, I actually think the vaccine level of vaccination would increase. I, I that think, they, right. You know, because people are thinking, wait a minute, you don't want me to talk about this? Why? There must be something going on here. Right. And, and so I think they've created this untrusting atmosphere. They have. And, and it's perpetuated by these um, the the big tech overlords um, that 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 just shut down any and all debate about the topic. Anytime anything's posted on our um, FRC social media that has anything to do with the coronavirus or COVID nineteen has a warning label on it essentially that says you know if you want more information about COVID nineteen click here. I mean that that's that that you know makes people wary. It 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 really. Um, it makes people wonder, why can't I just read this article that I'm trying to read? Why do I have to read what you tell me to read? It, it's Orwellian. It's the Ministry of Truth that uh, they have in operation. I want to, speaking of trusting in, in parents, I want to play another clip from uh, Joe Biden's town hall meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, play clip number two, please. So it's going to get a little bit tight in terms of, well, our mom or dad being honest that, you know, Johnny did or did not get vaccinated. That's going to raise questions. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see this work out in ways that people are going to know in the community. Everybody knows in the community whether or not Johnny really did get the vaccination when he's 15 or 17 years old. And so it's going to I think it's it's a matter of community responsibility. And I think you're going to see it work through. We can't really trust parents as to whether or not their kids got the vaccine or something. We're, we're going to have to fix this ourselves. You know, communities, it's all going to work out. I'm not sure what he means by it's all going to work out. I think this this shows more distrust and fear of what government may be wanting to do. Uh, since when does everybody know about people's personal private medical information? I mean, <laughs> no, my children are all vaccinated with the with the standard vaccines that you, you get in childhood. But, uh, you know, they don't have any sort of branding on their bodies to indicate that. I mean, <laughs> this is just really, it's really kind of scary. Um, makes you wonder what they have planned. <laughs> it, it does that. Meg, we're almost out of time. I want to thank you for uh, joining us. As always, uh, thanks for being such a great resource on the FRC team as to what's happening in education across America. Thank you, Tony. It's always a pleasure to be here. All right. And folks, I want to encourage you again to uh, check out the resources we have available for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com and you can follow the links over and be informed and be involved. It's critical. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line 
at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 